how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? Know how far I'd scale the valleys if you graced the other side. Know how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise? Against the rush of grace descending from the souls of its supply. Cause in the highlands and the heartache, you're neither more nor less inclined. Well, I would search and stop at nothing. You're just not that hard to find.
song of the sin. Oh, oh, oh. From the gravest of our valley come the pastures we call Greggies, a mighty river flowing upward from a deep but empty grave. Welcome to Living Hope Wesleyan Church. My name is Jeff Fuller, pastor at uh, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Hopeforvermont.org is where you can find more information. Hopeforvermont.org. We do welcome you and say thank you for being a part of uh, who we are, whether online or in person, 9 a.m. at Crossbrook Brook Middle School. That's Duxbury, Vermont, 05676. 9 a.m. Sunday mornings uh, the rest of this month. And then in August, we will be outside just behind the chapel campus. But we'll uh, get to that in a little bit. Welcome again. The call to worship is Psalm 136, verses 1 through 7. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. In Psalm 136, verse 7. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly light. His faithful love endures forever. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. This, the call to worship, Psalm 136. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time to worship you, to think about you, to ponder all things that you have done and that you've created us for. May we choose you. May we follow you. May we know your word and make you known to others. We thank you, God, that you love us and you have a plan for our lives even on this 17th day of July. We thank you because you are with us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. And thank you again for 
being a part of Living Hope Wesleyan Church. As I mentioned several times, every time, you can certainly subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts. It's the same as our Instagram handle, Living Hope Wesleyan. We also would love to have you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. And on Facebook, we have a church church page as well as a church group and uh, that's the same as twitter at hope for vermont so uh join us be a part and uh, get involved as we do have a busy summer and we'd love to keep you up to date on all things taking place this summer uh as well so the in-person 9 a.m across brook middle school duxbury vermont 05676 that's the 9 a.m in person 05676 is the zip code for Crescent Brook Middle School. Kids packs are available. We're excited about uh, the children's ministry, especially the relaunch in September, the relaunch of our children's program. So if you'd like to get involved, we'd love to have you as well. As I mentioned, Sundays in August, they will not be at Crossbrook Brook Middle School. Only the next uh, few Sundays of July will be. And then we return after August. But in August, we will meet uh, behind the chapel campus. And uh, hopefully you can join for the 9 a.m. in person. There will not be an online service at, uh, uh, for the month of August. Connection cards are available at the in-person. You can just simply text me your email address. Text me your email address, and I can email you all the updates for this summer and fall as well. As we uh, look ahead, ways to get involved in our community is support the Waterbury Band. They have a concert in Waterbury Center Tuesdays at 7 p.m. at the gazebo. Waterbury Center gazebo Tuesdays at 7. Support the Waterbury Band and uh, just enjoy some good music with some of our local family right here in Waterbury Center. Uh, the July prayer calendar is out. Today we pray for Furnacebrook Wesleyan. It's the only other Wesleyan denominational church in Vermont. They're down in Pittsburgh, just outside of Rutland. Pastor Joel Tate, we just want to pray for them today and those this week. Uh, Brooke Family Camp concludes today. Pray for those that are closing up. Uh, my parents, Mike and Sharon Fuller, and the others that are traveling. Just um, pray for them and pray for the decisions that were made, spiritual decisions, I've heard camps, retreats, you know, it's a spiritual high. Actually, it's an emotional high. It's a spiritual low because it's a starting point. It's a new resolution. It's something that we want to do and become like Jesus. But Satan fights and uh, life gets in the way. But if we stay focused, we can take that spiritual low point, that spiritual starting point, and grow on that. So won't you just pray for those. And uh, Ithiel Falls camp meeting begins this uh, Wednesday, the 20th. That's up in Johnson, Vermont. If you'd like to join, I'd love to have you go there as well. That's Ithiel Falls camp, and uh, that's in Johnson, Vermont. If you'd like more information, just let me know. Pastor at HopeForVermont.org. Pastor at Hope, F-O-R, Vermont spelled out, dot O-R-G. And Friday the 29th, all-family campfire with s'mores. All-family campfire with s'mores. 7 o'clock right here at the chapel campus. Uh, That's pretty much it for the announcements. We thank you for staying with us during those. We thank you for tuning in online, watching, sharing, and uh, subscribing. And we just thank you for your comments. And we uh, pray for all of your requests as you email those to me, pastor at hopeforvermont.org, or as you make Stacy aware and she puts those on the um, the prayer chain, the email prayer chain, and we just want to know that we are for you because God is for us. 
the memory verse for this month as we look at uh, this month. It's five Sundays, so I guess we're halfway in this month of July. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. Not those that were just clamoring for his attention, not those that were just doing great, not just the, quote, down and outers, but Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. Everyone has the ability to receive his forgiveness, his love, his healing, not to be known for your lowest moment, but be to be known as his. And uh, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost well amen and uh thank you for thank you for praying and sharing and being a part of living hope wesleyan church as i mentioned Stacey granfield sends out a guided prayer outline every thursday that we can pray together but at different times and if you like to be added to that just uh, let stacy know you can also um, add prayer requests there or put them in the comment section as well well let's pray and it seems as though uh, every week there's new needs that present themselves and we just are so grateful that our God is big enough to hear all of our requests from a sick pet to uh, something more concerning. God cares about the things we care about because he wants us to care about him and uh, what he loves, what he cries over, what he celebrates. So Jesus, here we are once again. We pour out our heart. Asking that we might see as you see, have a heart that breaks over the things that break yours, that we would love as you love, that we would make time for others, that we would walk slowly through the crowd, that we would not miss opportunities that you give, that we would be captivated by your presence, by your voice, by your word, that we might speak life and encouragement and bring joy and even happiness into situations that people would feel safer because we are there not us but us remaining and abiding and hiding in you so jesus you know every needs whether it's a health need physically or mentally whether it's a spiritual need whether it's dryness or a starting point the gumption the courage to follow through to move forward to take the next step jesus we thank you that you have all that we need financially that we might be uh, intuitive, um, intentional, and creative, that we might see things that you have presented and we would be bold enough to follow after you and see how you want to accomplish your work in and through our lives. And so, Father, we just thank you because you love us so much. We thank you that you care. We thank you that you are with us. And God, we thank you that you have a plan. So may we just be open to hearing your voice, to seeing the path that you set before us and by walking accordingly in your strength. So, Father, we say thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, and thank you so much for uh, praying with us and praying for those that are in need and just being a part of all of those things. It's great to be part of a church that prays for one another, that gives financially uh, tithes and offerings. That's just obeying what God says to do, whether this local church or the local church you belong to. Remember, church is not just a place where you go, but it should be a place where you belong. And God encourages us to give, and we're so grateful for those that give to Living Hope Wesleyan Church, whether online, Hope for Vermont, Vermont.org, Hope for for, F-O-R, Vermont, spelled out, dot org. 
click the Be Generous tab, or mailing checks to the Chapel Campus, 5793-Waterbury-Still Road, Waterbury Center, Vermont, 05677. We're just so um, grateful for your obedience and giving to this local church. But as it's 639, and we are looking to uh, Acts, Acts, well, let's start at the beginning, Acts 1. In my first book, I, Dr. Luke, told you, Theo, about everything Jesus began to do. I told you, and so as we began looking at Acts, there's been a challenge of, Who are you learning from? Who are you walking with? Who are you investing in? These are real questions. These are needs that need to be met. There are those that we need to learn from, that we need to walk with, that we need to invest in, because as we do so, we can learn what God began to do and teach, not just Dr. Luke to Theo, but what our friends have learned, what pastors have known, what godly spiritual mothers and fathers have taught us, so we could spread the kingdom of God. We could spread the good news about Jesus Jesus is for us. Jesus loves us. He has a plan. He has a way out of our misery. We can trust him. It is not just you tried him and he failed, but this is God will give us the power that we would be his witnesses, that we would make him known, that we would tell people about him everywhere, that we would receive his power, be his witnesses, and tell people everywhere the good news of God. Sometimes we wonder, should we try to make converts? Should we try to proselytize? Well, the good news is it's not up to you to do. It's up to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, his word just culminating and coming together and uniting people's hearts and minds to the truth and reality of Jesus, that he loves them, that he loves us, that he desires to be our Savior, the one that forgives us, the one that restores us, and the one that heals us. So, this is why the book of Acts was written. This is what we need to know, that we are wanted, that we have been adopted. You are chosen, you are selected, you are picked. As they met together, they were constantly united in prayer. United in prayer that we might know who God is and where God is leading, that we might share with others the truth and reality of Jesus. We do good things for the opportunity that God might share from his still quiet, small, yet powerful, bold voice that God loves and he's compelling all to salvation. And as God provides opportunity, we can open our mouths and share what God has begun to do and teach us as well. This is what he wants us to be a part of, allowing others to know that they are chosen, that they are adopted, that they are wanted into his family. And we looked last week about Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet. He lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. David asked, is there someone that I could show mercy and kindness to? And because he asked the question, God revealed the answer, and he treated Mephibosheth just like one of his own sons. We, with crippled feet, can be treated as the king's son. We are not hampered or deterred or kept away because we have two feet that are crippled, but we are welcome to sit at the king's table. 
So there's Barsabbas. He was one that was chosen. They ultimately chose Matthias as they cast lots. But Barsabbas, also known as Justice, uh, also known as Joseph, was one that was looked at as replacing Judas Iscariot. Mephibosheth was chosen even with crippled feet. And I suggested last week that Jesus would even say, you are chosen. Even with both feet crippled, you are chosen. Even with your deficiencies, even with your temptation, even with your past, you are chosen to sit at the king's table, repent of your sin, accept his gift, and say, Jesus, I am now free and living with you. So that prompted a question for me. How did this come to be that David would choose Mephibosheth? Well, in Samuel... First Samuel, there's two books of Samuel. The second book is where we looked at the story of David choosing and showing kindness to Mephibosheth. But in First Samuel 16, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul, the king Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. He's telling Samuel, hey, this king isn't my king anymore. I'm going to show you who he is. So as we read down, uh, Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and he says this. When they arrived, Samuel took um, one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let's stop right there and look at this once more. Samuel is trying to find the next king. He sees this guy that's well built, that has uh, the looks of a king, and he thinks surely Eliab, Jesse's oldest son, is the king, but The Lord said to Samuel, reading verse 7 again of 1 Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height. What good news that is. For I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Oh, that is such good news that the Lord looks at the heart. Well, there were other sons of Jesse. There was Eliab, there was Abinadab, and then there's Shimea. And then this is what we find in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 16. We find these words, In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. The Lord has not chosen any of these that were presented to Samuel. You just think about this a little bit. Samuel, who left to find the king because God said, I'm going to show you the next king. Go to this Jesse's house. Like, would you be saying, uh, did I get the names wrong? Is that Jesse with an I-E or Jesse with a Y? Is that Jesse with an E or is that Jesse? And God is telling Samuel, no, this is where I want you to be. And so Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Jesse didn't even recognize that his youngest could be in the running to be the next king. Jesse did not realize that 
God might have a different plan. Jesse did not realize that it was not based on height and looks and what the outward appearance was, but it was at the heart. Samuel said at once, send for him. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned. Verse 11 says, there's still the youngest. There's one more. There's the forgotten son. He's not one of the seven I'd pick. He's still out. Like, I didn't even call for him. When, when Samuel came and told Jesse, hey, one of your boys is going to be the next king. God showed me that. Jesse didn't even think that David was in the running. He didn't think he was strong enough or capable enough, or he didn't think that he was one that could be. But Samuel anointed David, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So maybe that's why David chose Mephibosheth, because David remembered what it was like not to be chosen. David remembered what it was like to finally be chosen. David remembered the hurt of his seven brothers being called, but he was just left in the field to take care of the animals. David remembered what it was like to be left out, but he also recalled what it was like to be chosen. And then he remembered his promise to Jonathan and Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth was called to the king's table. So now we look at Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Let's see how we finish verse uh, 1 Samuel 16. It said, And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on, the day that Samuel anointed him as the next king. Okay, now we go to Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. They spoke in other languages so they could be heard. So those that they were learning from, walking with, investing in, could hear in their own language. They could understand the message of freedom that God was giving, the message of healing, the salvation that God had brought and was presenting that was available to all to receive. This is what the Holy Spirit did. This is the gift that they were waiting for. This is what Jesus had promised. It had come, and the Holy Spirit was there, giving them the ability to communicate to those that did not understand. What if this was our prayer? That God would give us the ability to speak in a language, in a culture, in a society that, that does not understand who Jesus is. That does not realize that the Christian religion is much more than a religion. It's about that relationship with Jesus, that friendship with God, that you can know that he loves you and he cares for you. And you don't do things just simply out of oh sacrifice, but you do things out of love. Because I love, I choose to sacrifice my own desires because God loves 
loves me so much and I want to love Jesus back. I want to follow him passionately with everything that I have so others can know, others can know the same forgiveness I have received. Pentecost was the gift. It was the comforter had come. It was the Holy Spirit is here. It's not just showing up in one case where Samuel anointed David and David was met by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But now the Holy Spirit was in all places at all times. I could speak in every situation. The comforter is here. Let's go back to an Old Testament story. Perhaps familiar, I'll try to get through it, hopefully not too quickly for those that are new to church. Uh, The Old Testament is very difficult to read, but there's some segments in the Old Testament that are a lot of fun to read because it's just a great narrative. It's an awesome story. And so Genesis 37, beginning at verse 18, it shares some of this. Joseph's brothers saw Joseph coming. They recognized him from a distance. As he approached, they had plans to kill him. Joseph, he was daddy's favorite. Joseph had a coat of many colors. He was recognizable. He had a dream and he was immature and he was arrogant. And Joseph shared all that God had showed him through this dream, but he did not present it in a way that was received well or could be received well because of his arrogance. How many times have you seen people that profess to be Christians post on social media or engage in a conversation or speak with somebody, not as a dialogue, but as a monologue? And what God says is true. They present in such a disgusting way that the person that should be receiving life and truth and hope and freedom does not receive it, but just digs in both heels and is disgusted and turns away because the Holy Spirit can reach deep. But the person that's sharing these vile things, well, actually, these true things, sharing in a vile way, is turning people off. Joseph, we can learn a lot from Joseph. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, yeah, his brothers didn't kill him, but they traded him. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian uh, officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So Joseph was sold. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Joseph was rude and proud, and his brothers wanted to kill him. But one brother stood up and said, no, we can't kill him, but we can sell him. And so we'll just tell our dad that he dead, he's dead, so we don't have to go after him. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From this day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. What if your employer was blessed because you were such a great employee? What if that person, that relationship felt like, man, things are better when you enter the rooms things are better because you are in my life and then you can just share it's not me but it's God in me it's Jesus I follow I go to please him not just you I want you to be happy out of my commitment to Jesus 
All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Jacob, uh, sorry, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. When jo with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. He, he didn't worry. He just thought, hey, what's on the menu? Oh, I think I'll choose this. And somebody went and made it for him. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, much like a young, young David. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Joseph was doing his job. Joseph was trying to please God. And as he pleased God, his owner, the one that employed him, was pleased as well. And then Satan struck. And then a natural temptation for a young man came into being. It came and there was this discussion of Potiphar's wife. But Joseph refused, said, look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. We go down to verse 20, because Joseph refused. Potiphar was furious when he heard the story that his wife told that Joseph tried to rape her. It was the wife that tried to seduce him, and when he refused, she made up this story. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Let's pause right here, Genesis 39, 20. He took Joseph and threw him into prison. In many other situations and cases, I've heard it preached, I've heard it said, and different scholars would even surmise that Joseph could have been killed if he would have truly attempted to rape Potiphar's wife. For whatever reason, and perhaps speculation, some have suggested that Potiphar's wife was known for having a wandering eye. And so that is why Potiphar did not kill Joseph, but thought the lesser of two evils. Perhaps Joseph was telling the truth because of the reputation of Potiphar's wife, as some have speculated. He decided to throw him into prison instead of having him killed. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden, warden. Even in a difficult place, once again, Scripture says in details that Joseph had Jesus with him. But the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. Eventually, however, this is verse 41, a lot of different things happen where Joseph is in prison for two years. Two years he's in prison. And then all of a sudden, Joseph has the ability to get out of prison, and then he interprets a dream. He interprets a dream that says, there's going to be good years, there's going to be bad years, so you need to save up. And so that had a great weight for him to get released from prison, and then he had a storehouse full of grain. Verse 55 of chapter 41, skipping ahead, this famine spread throughout the land of Egypt. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Go to Joseph. Now he's no longer in prison. This is one of my favorite verses because Jacob, the father of Joseph, the father of the brothers that tried to kill Joseph, but instead they sold him into slavery, he said this, why are you standing around looking at 
each other. I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Why are you still here? We are suffering from this famine. We are hungry and you're just standing around looking at each other. You need to uh, go to where there is food. Joseph couldn't stand it any longer as they went to Joseph for food and they found that Joseph had food. In a long story short, Joseph disguised himself. He recognized his brothers that had betrayed him. He recognized those that had hurt him, that had caused great anguish and mental pain. He recognized them, but this is what Joseph did later on. He says Joseph could could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room and he said to his attendants, Out! All of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. He couldn't stand it any longer, so he eventually told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. The word of it quickly called, uh, carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize what Joseph, that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that was has ravaged the land for two years will last five more and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting god has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors so it was god who sent me here not you and he is the one who made me an advisor to pharaoh the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all egypt so as we pause and think about this story Joseph would not have been able to save his family unless God allowed him to be sold into slavery. Until God allowed him to work for Potiphar. And not that God uh, made it happen, but God restored Joseph even though Potiphar's wife lied. And with Joseph in prison for two years, God allowed him to be restored and God allowed him to interpret dreams and God allowed him to interpret Pharaoh's dream and God allowed him to be in charge and to save up food. So out of being sold into slavery, out of betrayal, out of being left to the side, out of his arrogance, he had matured to understand it was God who sent me here. I'm not bitter at you. I don't have hate in my heart towards you. I'm not upset for what you've done, but I realize what has happened in my life happened for a reason that God is with me. God never left me. The Lord was with Joseph through all of these things. And so we look at Acts chapter 2. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language by uh, being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all Gentiles. And yet they hear, are all from Galilee, I'm sorry. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Joseph's brothers 
They were perplexed. They could not believe what they meant for evil. God had turned for good. What they thought was going to be the end of the immature, arrogant brother God had used to bring salvation to their family, to food, to their family, to restore them, to help them, to encourage them. Maybe you are going through a difficult time and you just want to give up. You don't think it's fair. Maybe it isn't fair, but you just want to say, God, where are you? And we can all say that God is with us. He never left us. He is holy. Holy Spirit is with us, and it's not the person that we're upset. It's not the situation, but it's the fact that God wants to use us, and He's teaching us through this misery who He is and who we are. We look down at the end of this, verse 11. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. What can this mean? What can your misery mean? What can your sleepless nights mean? What can your suffering mean? I believe, based on these stories, it means that the king is ready to say, you can sit at my table with both feet crippled. You are welcome here as one of my very own children. I want you to know that your sin does not keep you away. Accept my forgiveness. Accept my salvation. And know that you are loved. Know that you are welcome here. Know that whether it was you that made the mistakes, as Joseph did, or it was somebody else that kept you away, it was Jonathan grandfather Saul that had made this uh, divide between King David and the family of Saul. But Jesus has restored such things. What can this mean that they might speak in languages, that they might understand how to communicate God's word in our culture, in our society, so we don't have to hold a flag in one hand and a Bible in the other, but we could just follow Jesus who knew his daddy's love for him and made his daddy's love for others known by showing love even to the point of death. This is what this means, that we would know Jesus and make him known, that you might feel like Joseph, that you tried to do the right thing and you were sold. You tried to do the right thing and you were put in prison. You tried to do the right thing and you were looked down on. You were rejected. You tried to do what was right. You continued to do what was right, but you couldn't catch a break. There was never any time in your life that you felt like, man, God, you need to rescue me. And God is just saying one more moment, one more minute, one more year and you will see my plan what can this mean this can mean that the holy spirit is with us to make his language of love and forgiveness of salvation known to everyone here we are in a place in a position that we can communicate with others that god is for us and because he is for us we could be for others even those that do not vote like us, that do not look like us, that do not talk like us, do not participate in the same Sunday event as us, we could share God's love with them that they might know his salvation. What can this mean? This can mean the fulfillment of why Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What can this mean? The Holy Spirit is here wooing others to his great salvation. God is so good and he's so faithful all the time in every season no matter what you're going through. He is good and he deserves our praise and our worship. For some of you today 
probably is a big sacrifice to lift your eyes to him and to sing this because there's so much challenge and turmoil going on in your life. My friends, that's exactly when you need to lift your eyes and when you need to raise your song of praise and declare the goodness of God. So join us. Let's declare the goodness of God together today. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days I have been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God yes
Faith. 